you're listening to the Pomerado Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for spending time with us today. If you're a weekly listener, welcome back. If this is your first time, we're so glad you're here and hope you consider subscribing. If you're in your car, on a run, doing things around the house, or working out, and want to connect even further and take next steps with us, visit pomerado.info. Now, enjoy this week's message. Good morning, everyone. I want to welcome all of you who are here with us in person. Uh, so glad to see all of you. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online. And so uh, whether this is your very first time with us, whether you've been with us for years, I believe that God has something specific for each and every one of us. Again, whether you're here in person or whether you're watching online, I believe God has something that he wants to encourage or challenge or show each of us this morning. And so, as Thomas mentioned in the video, we are in week two of our series called Revive. And the idea is at the beginning of a year, we want to evaluate things and we want to maybe improve in certain areas or whatever that might look like. But what would it look like if some of us feel kind of like this tree here where we just feel like our walk with God has started to slow down a little bit. Maybe we're in a season we're not hearing him speak. Maybe we're in a season where we've just put up walls to other people and we're struggling alone and isolated. Maybe we're in a season in which we feel like we're praying and we don't hear God answering and we feel like we're struggling and we feel like God isn't caring. What does it look like for us to experience um, reviving in our walk with God? Now, as I mentioned last week at the beginning of our series, is that this is a series that is based on a series in a book by Andy Stanley called Five Things God Uses to Grow Your Faith. And so he mentions this. It's a, it's a sermon series. It's available on our Right Now Media account. If you don't know what Right Now Media is, it's, a, it's like a, they call it like the Netflix of video Bible curriculum that we have a free, uh, well, we pay for it, but it's free to you to be able to utilize. And so you could follow along if you like, um, but it's available on Right Now Media. However, um, it's also a book uh, and it's a sermon series that he's done, but we called it, um, we want to call it Revive, and, but we're going to use the five things he talks about but we're going to call it the five to revive. And this idea of what are the five things that, again, from Andy Stanley's book and his message system or message series, excuse me, looking at what are different things that God uses to revive or to grow our faith. And last week we talked about practical teaching. We talked about the importance of not just hearing the words of God, but to build our lives upon it in order to build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, of his words, of his love, and recognizing that we all know good things things that are important and wise, but we don't always do them. We know it's important to get good sleep, yet we don't always do that. We know it's important to eat well, but we don't always do that. We know certain things to be good, but we don't always do it. And so the importance of acknowledging that we need to apply practical biblical teaching to our lives. And so today, that's our, so practical teaching is something that we can, we can go and line ourselves into listening to practical teaching but then we can also apply it. That's something we can do. There's some of these items that we have here, including today's providential relationships, these are things that we can't necessarily go do or go force to happen, but we can make ourselves open and receptive when God provides them. And so as we look at providential relationships today, I wanna, I'll mention a few throughout my message of people who really had an impact with my faith in my life um, and that God had brought into my life for certain seasons or for longer term. So speaking of a long-term uh, person that God brought into my life is that 
January 5th, so today is the 8th, so three days ago, marked the 21st anniversary of when Steph and I first met. And so, oh, we can clap for that. That's wonderful. Um, so here's a picture of us from within the first year. Uh, and yes, um, I had hair. Uh, the way, if I cut my hair that way, you wouldn't see the gray as much now. So maybe I'll look into that. And yes, you might be able to see my nod. I had little earrings as well. So it was very 2002 of me. So um, Steph and I met January 5th, 2002. Um, and it was one of those things where um, on that first night, we, we first met, we started talking about, you know, the kind of the typical things like, you know, when's your birthday and things like that. And that's when we found out that my birthday was, it still is, July 7th, 1984, born in O'Connor Hospital in San Jose, California. Found out from Steph that she was born July 9th, 1984 in O'Connor Hospital in San Jose, California. That my doctor was off. I was born on a Saturday. My doctor was off for the weekend. And so I stayed in the nursery two days longer um, than I needed to be. So when she came into the world on the 9th, I was already there waiting for her. And so uh, just acknowledging that um, God literally provided this opportunity that someone, you know, I'm, she's in the other nursery and I, this is always a corny joke, but I say it every time, where, like, she came into the world, and I'm like, hey, baby. You know, like, just an awful joke, but <laughs> recognizing that from the very beginning, God put someone in my life that when she came, when she was born, I was in the room, and we get to share life together from birth until death. It was part. And acknowledging this fact that Yes, that's amazing, and I love that. And I love the fact that it wasn't just that God brought a great person into my life. It's that he brought Steph, who grew up in a Christian home, whose parents, Steve and Anna Lee, have been great impacts in my life as well, and Sister Hillary, that Steph helped me grow in so many different ways from, yes, being a, a positive influence in my walk with God, but even the small things where I've shared this with some of you before, that before I met Steph, her parents would have me over for dinner, and we would, you know, get to know me, we'd be able to spend time together um, with their family. And before she, before I went to their house, I never had salad. And yet, I was very picky as a kid, and so I'd be like, I don't like that. Have you tried it? No, I, I didn't grow out of it until I was 17 years old and would go to her house because if your girlfriend's parents make food, you eat it, right? And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this green stuff. What is this? I, my version of salad is macaroni and cheese. And so it's just one of those where acknowledging that I had poor eating habits. And so everything from eating salad to be able to seeing what it's like to um, see a family that's building their life upon the Lord and growing in such a way that together as a married couple um, and as an entire family just to be that influence. And it was just a wonderful relationship. And so I just thought um, it'd be great to be able to show a photo of us from a long time ago, uh, but to know that the smiles that were there 21 years ago are still there today and just so very grateful for Steph and for her entire family. Now, sometimes God, providential relationships, those are from providence, right? That's where providential comes from. It means provided for by God. Sometimes it's overtly clear like that. It's like, hey, you're going to, when you're like in the nursery, your wife is going to show up a couple of days later. Like that is like God providing and showing up in a way that not all of us experience to that degree. And not all of us, when it comes to a providential relationship, they're not always lifelong commitments. Sometimes God might put someone in your life for a season, but for that season, it was the right person at the right time, to have the right influence and the right impact to grow and build your faith. 
So we don't have to look at providential relationships purely through the lens of forever relationships, and of, of course there are those. But it's also acknowledging that even if it's just for a season, God may provide the right person at the right time in your life to help you grow your faith. And the flip side is that God may be putting people in your life so that you at the right time can have the right influence and the right impact to help grow someone else's faith. So Andy Stanley in his series talks about this. There's always a spiritual component to relationships. The people we choose to surround ourselves will, with will always have the potential to impact us spiritually. Not sometimes, always. That means the good relationships will impact us always, and the bad relationships will impact us always. So here's a, a very simple main point for today. It's not revolutionary. It doesn't rhyme. Like There's nothing special about it in, in and of itself, this phrase itself, but the truths behind it are important. And sometimes... Simple truths reiterated are exactly what we need. So here's a simple truth to reiterate to you and to me this morning as we dive into God's word that says this, our relationships with others will impact our walk with God. Our relationships with others will impact our walk with God. And as we're going to see as we dive into Psalm chapter 1 together over the next few moments, that sometimes that impact is great. Sometimes that impact is not, but our relationships, who we surround ourselves with, who influences us most, will always have an impact of our, with our walk with God. So who do we surround ourselves with? Who influences us most? How can we leverage our, our friendships and relationships to honor God? And what can we do with what we learn today? What's, how can we apply it this very day? That's what we're going to navigate over the next few moments. Will you join me in a word of prayer as we get ready for what God has for us? Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person who's part of our service today, whether they're live in person, live online, watching or listening later throughout the week. God, I pray that um, each person would know that they're deeply loved by you. God, that the greatest relationship any of us could have, Lord, is a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be able to unite under your word, unite and build our lives upon your foundation, Jesus. And I pray that we'd be able to receive what you have for us today. I pray that as we dive into Psalm chapter 1, that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way to each and every one of us, Lord. And I pray that we would have the, the heart to receive whatever it is that you give. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I mentioned, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 1, and we're really, it's only six verses, but we're going to focus most of our time actually on the first three verses. And so let's go to the next slide as we talk about today. This is our providential relationships. And as I mentioned, we're going to, we're going to be asking some questions today. Sometimes we have a lot of declarative statements. Other times, like today, we ask questions to stir up how God might be working in your life. Rather than me telling you something, maybe it's us asking something to see what God might be telling you today. And so we look at this. The first question we're going to ask, and it's going to point us to Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, is who influences us most? Or in this case, as you're asking it, who influences me most? Real quick, by a show of hands, um, how many of you in the past, let's say, two months, let's say since Thanksgiving, how many of you have caught some sort of cold or flu or illness in the past couple of months? Awesome. Whatever. You can raise your hand. I know you're not contagious, so we're glad that you're here. So um, I, caught, I, caught, I got sick. I got the flu um, shortly after Thanksgiving. It was like the Sunday later after Thanksgiving. Um, I would come and I would preach, and I, would, you know, I went home, wasn't feeling well. Then I'd 
God would give me enough energy to preach and then go home and try to rest. And then I'd have the cough that would just linger for a while. And, and so I was not feeling well. But this idea, you know, if we know the flu, do we know what word that comes from? Like the flu is, is a shortened version of what word? Influenza, exactly. And there's this, you know, etymological or, or word connection between influenza and influence. So when we think about who influences us most, it's acknowledging the fact that the influence others have on us and the influence we have on others can spread just as easily and can be just as contagious as a flu, as the sickness where you don't even know you're getting sick until it's too late and you're most um, contagious before you even show symptoms. So the idea could be that who are the people that influence, and that can be a positive influence, of course, to be clear, it can be positive. But as we look at the first verse in Psalm chapter 1, we're going to look at what kind of negative influence, what kind of, what kind of disease of wickedness, of sin, like what would spread, and why is it so easy to have that contagious um, draw towards sin or temptation? Why is that so easy for us to fall into when we surround ourselves with people who influence us to go away from the Lord? So Andy Stanley puts it this way in his study. He says, either for good or bad, relationships are powerful. Unhealthy ones weaken our faith, and healthy ones build it up. Again, not revolutionary, simple, but re needs to be reiterated. And so here's what Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 will say here. It says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. Let's keep that up for a couple moments because let's, let's think about the context of Psalms chapter 1. Psalms, we know, is a book that has 150 psalms written in. Over 70 of them are attributed to David. There are others who are attributed to different priests and different authors. We recognize that it talks, it's, a, it's a book that's about wisdom literature. And it's a book that we can go when we have cries out for prayer. It's a book that we could turn to in any and every season, as we talked about in our seasons series in the fall of this past year. It's a book that sets the tone as wisdom literature. Psalm chapter 1 is a wisdom psalm. We've talked about different types of psalms in that previous series, but a wisdom psalm is the one that's supposed to set the standard or set the tone and to show you what it's like to compare those who are wise and follow the ways of the Lord and those who are wicked and who deny him. And just to be clear, I'm not assuming all of you are wicked. I'm just using like visuals here, right? So the wise and the wicked. No. So it's acknowledging the fact that in the very beginning, the very first verse of the very first psalm of this prayer book, of this wisdom literature, of this book that we turn to so often, sets a standard for us for the kind of influence people can have on us in a way that pulls us away from the Lord rather than closer to him. Blesses the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. When you're walking in step with someone, you're doing life with them. You're living in the same way. You're walking and you're going in the same direction and you're doing the same thing. I remember I had friends, um, I had a specific friend in my old church that we would be walking. So we get out of the car, we go visit a high school because we were high school pastors and we get out of the car and he was, just, he was just a fast walker. And it's one of those where he was like, he was always determined. He always knew where he needed to go. He was ready to go. And so he just like would walk like this and I'm you know, a few steps behind him, um, and his legs are longer. It's not saying much, but I'm just saying. So it's one of those where I'd have to catch up. But it's this idea of when you walk with someone, when you're step by step with them, then you're going in the same direction. You're going at the same pace. You're talking. You're doing life together. And so 
the admonition that what we're called not to do is, you know, don't walk in the way of the wicked. Those whose ways are antithetical, are opposite of the ways of the wise, of the ways of the Lord. And so it's saying, don't walk in that way. Then it says, don't stand in the way that sinners take. You ever been, maybe this was younger, uh, when you were in high school or middle school, maybe this was uh, something you're experiencing now. Have you ever had a moment when you knew that if you went to a certain place, maybe it was a party at someone's house, maybe it was just a, a work dynamic, maybe there's just something where you just knew that if you went there, things would not go well. You just had this intuition or this sense from the Holy Spirit that's just like, hey, don't go there. It's only going to get you into trouble. You're only going to have issues. It's only going to be bad. And this is the idea of don't, don't stand, don't be in the way where sinners are. If, if you're in a place where it's like, hey, everyone's getting together and you know that it's going to be up to no good, the wise, the blessed, don't stand with them. They don't go along and walk with the wicked. They don't stand in the way that sinners would take. And lastly, they don't sit in the company of mockers. They don't sit and let their conversation and perspective and attitude be influenced negatively by those who don't just sin, but mock. There's a difference there because the wicked are people who are doing stuff that's opposite of the wise. So that's bad. Sinners, obviously, we're all, we all fall short of the glory of God. We all sin, but we don't want to keep going in that direction. But the mockers, part of why they have even a worse reputation in wisdom literature, because mockers can also be known as scoffers, if it's in your translation, the reason that that is so hard is because it's not just action-oriented, wicked and sin. It's attitude-oriented. It's not just wicked and sin. It's mocking those who want to do what's wise and right. So here's how um, one of the commentators uh, said it. So it's, it says, yet certainly, this is referring to verse 1, the three complete phrases show three aspects. What are the three phrases? Do not walk in the way of the wicked. Do not stand in this, the way that sinners take. And do not sit in the company with mockers. Those are the three phrases it's referring to. They show three aspects. Indeed, three degrees of departure from God. So moving apart from God. By portraying conformity to this world at three different levels. One, accepting its advice. It's listening to what people have to say. And when you are in a struggle, if you follow the Lord and you have a relationship with God and, and you're a Christian and you are struggling with something, who do you turn to for advice? Do you have a godly friend that can help you navigate a difficult circumstance and say, hey, here's, here's a wise way to handle that? Or here's maybe not the best way to handle that. Do you have someone that you go, do you go to God's word and say, what does God's word say? Because we know we, we hear from God and we learn through his word, through communion and fellowship with other people, through prayer. So do you go to God in his word? Do you go to God in prayer? Or do we accept the advice of maybe worldly friends that we care about them, but their advice does not come from a foundation of building their lives upon the rock. Therefore, that foundation, when storms hit, not if storms hit, will lead to a great crash, as Luke 6 and Matthew 7 talk about. So do we accept it, the advice of the world as opposed to the advice of God? The next one, being party to its ways. Do you join in and accept what people are doing and you join in with the ways of the world? You're standing in the way that sinners take. You're joining in with the way that they live. You're walking with them. You're living in the same way that they would. Are you party, being party to its ways and are you adopting the most fatal of its attitudes? 
For the scoffers, in our version, was said mockers, but the scoffers, if not the most scandalous of sinners, are the farthest from repentance, as Proverbs 3 talks about. Why? Because it's not just the action. Because we sin, but when we, are, when we sin and we feel convicted and we know of our guilt and of our unrighteousness and we confess our sins, God is righteous and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all of that unrighteousness. But when we sit in the company of mockers or scoffers whose attitude is like, God doesn't matter, living for God doesn't matter. In fact, they make fun of you for doing it. If you surround yourself as they're the ones you sit in company and spend the most time with, you're going to start to develop those same, those same mindsets, those same attitudes. When I first uh, gave my life to the Lord in September 20th of 2003, it was, the very, it was like two days or three days before uh, my sophomore year here at UCSD. And so... Um, the previous year, I had made friends and had, you know, freshman year, I had my roommates. You kind of get selected. And then going into sophomore year, you get to pick your own roommates. And you get to, you know, request certain people. And so a group of us are like, oh, let's, you know, let's be roommates together. And then we can, um, that'd be great. And so what the difference was is that from when we um, established our roommates at the end of our fresh, my freshman year, and then the beginning of sophomore year, the change happened that I gave my life to the Lord. And when I gave my life to the Lord, I'm like, I need to start going to church. I need to get inside of a small group. So I found a men's group where I was 19 and everybody else was 40 and above. But that was the right season. It was the right relationship at the right providential time. And then it's being able to um, be in a small group, study off campus at a church at The Rock um, with Pastor Miles. And then it was also to get involved in on-campus fellowships. I mean, everything changed. But I would have my roommates who remembered me from three months before. You ever have those people who knew you from before you had a relationship with God and they keep reminding you of that and keep mocking you of how you've changed? To date myself, uh, we would talk through, like one of my other roommates, when he was confused about like why I was different, he sent me a message on AOL Instant Messenger, which is a long time ago. But, you know, he was like, you know, you've, you've changed and you're different. And and so they would try to create stumbling blocks for me. They would put things out in front of my door that would try to cause me to stumble. Or they would try to do things to mock my newly found faith. And so did I still care about my roommates? Yes. But were they the ones I allowed to influence me the most? No. I found a godly community in order to get plugged in. I found people who have also, not perfect people, but have been changed by God to change the world. I found a place in the church to be able to do that. So as 1 Corinthians 15 says, do not be misled. Paul says this Old Testament truth because simple truths need to be reiterated. He gives a simple truth from the Old Testament wisdom literature into a New Testament epistle or letter. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. That when we're influenced by people, it's like, if someone is healthy and they're around someone who's sick, the sick people are the ones that give the disease to the healthy person. When someone's healthy and they're around someone who's sick, the healthy person doesn't give health to the person who's already sick, except for Jesus Christ when he would heal people. He was the one that came into a sick world and spread health and healing. The rest of us, when we're sick, we influence others to become sick as well. 
But when we're healthy, we need to be aware of not allowing that influence, that influenza to come and cause us to fall away from the Lord. So do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So the first question we asked this morning was, how, like, who's influencing me most? So for you, just take a minute. I'm not going to necessarily stop, but just think, who are the people now who have the biggest influence on my life? Maybe you write down their names. Maybe you just take a mental checklist. But I am going to ask you to think through that because that's going to connect to one of our last points at the end of the message. So think through who the people are who influence you the most. The second question is actually a direct quotation from Andy Stanley, and I loved the way he put it, and so I wanted to be able to just word it his way rather than trying to find my own. And he asks this, how can I leverage current relationships for the sake of building my faith? Another way of asking that is who's already around me? Who has God already providentially surrounded me with that can help me grow in my faith? In 2008, my previous church, uh, the senior pastor there, he came in February of 2008 after a year-long search. Um, and then so one of his first staff meetings, he ended up sharing um, a staff devotional for our team called like, Moral Authority. And the idea is how to live with integrity, how to do so in a way that influences those around us. And some of you, maybe you're note-takers and maybe you love this, maybe you're not note-takers. But the way that he wrote it out, which is all, it's good content, but he would do like moral authority M means this, and O means that, and R means that. So I, I didn't do the math, but that's like 17 or so points that you'd have to remember all the way down for moral authority. And so it's one of those where there's a lot of good content, but it wasn't easily um, rememberable. Memorable, not rememberable. That's not a word. Uh, easily memorable. But one of them I remember was it talked about get into a relationship of accountability. Get into a relationship where someone knows you and you know them, and you can encourage one another, spur one another on towards good deeds, and be accountable. And so there was someone who I didn't, we were in a small group, I didn't know him super well. Um, his name's Nick, and after that staff devotional, I just said, hey, can we, can we start hanging out more? So we would end up meeting every, like, Tuesday morning, and then it became Wednesday and Thursday and Monday. It switched throughout the years, but we would meet every week for years to come alongside one another. And it was someone who was just around already and it's saying, who can I, like, how can I leverage who God has already put around? And maybe make an ask to say, hey, can we, can we hang out more? I appreciate this about you or I'd love to grow closer in this way with you or whatever that looks like. And so they just came, they and their family. So um, he and his wife, Lori, they got married like six days, no, six days, sorry, 12 days after Steph and I got married. Then they had kids like, their first child was probably like four months behind us. And so I'm like, I get it. Like, you're following the leader. It's great. But just, you know, we're able to do life together. Their kids are the same age as our kids. And they came over and visited us uh, last week. And it was just wonderful. You, do you have those friends? Have you had those friends where you don't talk to them or you haven't been together in years and it feels like you haven't missed a beat? And being able to just fall right back into the laughter and the fun and the conversation. That's how it is with that family. And so how much lesser would my life be and how much would my walk with God have been different if I didn't think about leveraging people around me and asking, hey, Nick, can we, can we meet? Can we talk through life? Can we pray together? Can we encourage one another? So as we go to back to Psalm chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, you're going to see that this next section doesn't talk specifically about friendships. It talks about the growth and a relationship with God that I think many of us would want. And so we're going to talk about that briefly, and then we're going to look at the contrast and why that's important for with verse 1. So verse 2 starts off with this. Remember, 
this starts with blessed is the one, and then it said all the negative things. And so then it's saying blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. He dives into God's word. She loves memorizing God's word. It's someone who loves God's word. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Let's unpack this for a second, because here's the contrast. We see the contrast earlier of if don't walk in the way of the wicked, don't stand in this, the way that sinners take, do not sit in the company of mockers. And what the wisdom literature does is they often present to you two different um, pictures or word pictures to contrast them to show the importance. So the example I referred to briefly earlier was from last week when it says, you can build your house upon shifting sand. Or you could build your house upon the rock, upon the foundation of Jesus and his words and his love for us. Both of those have floods that rise. Both of those have rain that pour down. Both of those houses have winds that batter and beat on the sides, but only one survives. So using the scientific method, you think, what's the variable? What's the difference? And it's location, location, location. Where are you building your life? And then how are you building it? Are you digging deep and applying God's word? So that's what Jesus did when he preached. That's wisdom literature. It's you provide two different options and you look at the contrast to see the important lesson therein. So here, it's not talking about the, the, what kind of good friends you should have. Instead, it's painting a picture of the life we want to have as we want to have our faith revived and to grow and to be able to live the life God has for us. Here are some of the things that we look at. We want to be people who delight in the law of the Lord who meditate on his scriptures day and night. We want to be people who we, we know where we're planted and we build our life in the right place upon the right foundation. So in this case, it's not a rock or shifting sand. It's you're being planted by the source of living water. You're being planted by the words of God, by the relationship with God through Jesus. It yields fruit in season. Notice not every season is a fruit-yielding season. We talked about this in our season series in the fall. There are seasons where things are awesome and you're reaping the fruit and you have the fruit of the Spirit in your life and you're exuding love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and you're exuding that to the point where you can't help but see how God has provided for you and we rejoice in those times. And then we also have times where it feels like it's a spiritual winter. We cry out to God and hear nothing. We try to build friendships and they don't work out. We try to read God's word and it feels like blank words on a page. We cry ourselves to sleep or we've stopped caring enough to even bring ourselves to tears. And we're just discouraged and disheartened. So not every season is a fruit-bearing season. But when it's time when you've dedicated and invested in meditating in the law day and night and in God's word, then fruit will come because you're abiding with God. And then when we're in those seasons of winter, even then, the leaf does not wither. Even then, there's still life. And maybe just a, just a small amount, it may not um, be what we want to bear fruit, but we're not losing life or hope because we're planted in relationship with God. And then whatever they do prosper. Doesn't mean that every time they, they buy a lotto ticket and every time they win the lot, it's not that. 
It's that things would go well with them. It is well with their souls, even when things are tough in their lives. I think we want that kind of growth. We want that kind of relationship. So why, friends, why does the psalmist, why does, it, why does he compare walking in the way of the wicked with living this life where you could be planted by streams of water? Why does he provide this contrast? And Proverbs 13.20 may help us understand or may give us a context in the, because, again, it's wisdom literature that provides contrast. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. If you live away according to the wise, you will learn from their wisdom. You will grow. You will be able to gain knowledge. You'll be able to live a life that is better and wiser and more God-honoring. That's awesome. But a companion of fools suffers harm. Friends, those are not exact opposites. It's not like it's saying, walk in the wise and become wise, but a companions of fools become stupider, right? Like it's not an intellectual knowledge dynamic. It's saying that when you walk with the wise and you live wisely, you will grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man, and you'll be able to live in a way that is wise. But if you surround yourself with fools, and in wisdom literature, fools is not just someone who's, again, not intellectually smart. It's someone who is antithetical to the ways of God, someone who is mocking the ways of God, someone who has zero wisdom in them, and because of that, has zero desire to follow the Lord. So it's saying, if you surround, if you're a companion of those who are antithetical to God, or exact opposites, then it's not just that you're going to not be as wise. It means harm will befall you. You will struggle. You will experience heartache and difficulty. If you think about some of the times the biggest mistakes you made in middle school or in high school, was it not because you were surrounded by the wrong people? If you think about the times you shouldn't have done a deal at work or you shouldn't have taken a job or you shouldn't have whatever it may be, is there a chance it's because you weren't surrounding yourself with godly wisdom or instead you're just listening to the advice that would give you the the most money now or the greatest um, promotion now or whatever it is. The opposite of walking with the wise is suffering harm. The, offer, the opposite of becoming wise is suffering harm amongst a companion of fools. This is the contrast. Now, Craig Rochelle, a pastor in, in Oklahoma, says it much more succinctly than I just did, but he says it this way. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends do your friends love to meditate into God's word? Do they love talking of the things of God and growing? And even when things are tough, do you see faith in them? Do you see hope in them? Do you see life in them? Or are they people that will walk in the ways of the wicked and will stand where sinners go and they will sit in the company with mockers? Because friends, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. They will influence you, whether that's for good or for not, because our relationships with others will impact our walk with God. So will we walk in the way of the wicked or we walk in the way of the wise? Last point. I mentioned last week I want to give some more application ideas. So I'm going to ask this question, what can I do today? Or you know, what can we, what can you do today with what we've learned? Now, I'm going to give a few, I'm going to give three different options. Some of you may pick one. Some of you may pick two. Some of you may do all three. Some of you may think of something else. But let's look at just three things you can do today in regards to acknowledging providential relationships and leaning into them. 
Number one, thank someone who God has used to grow your faith. Thank someone who God has used to grow your faith. Remember that person earlier? Maybe wrote down who's, who influenced me in my walk. Maybe it's someone who's been a great influence and you want to thank them. This past week, I, I made a phone call to the men's pastor at my previous church, and uh, he took me under his wing, and um, Steph and I got married in 2006, in, in June, in the fall of 2006, he started a men's fraternity group that we met from 5.30 a.m. to 7 a.m. every Thursday morning during the school year, and he would share a message uh, based off of Robert Lewis's curriculum about quest for authentic manhood, winning at work at home, and living the great adventure. So he would preach in the morning, and we'd have fill-ins in the morning, and I ran slides, and I did all the tech stuff in the back, and so I was there early, but I would listen to what he had to say. Then we'd break up into small group times, and we'd talk with other men, um, whether they're same ages or different generations, to talk through what we're learning, and then we would go out and have Denny's at like 7.15 in the morning, which not healthy physically, but wonderfully healthy relationally. And like how many different types of grand slams, weekday slams, you know, whatever. Like we would eat and we'd be able to talk through life even smaller. Half those conversations may have just been jokes and playing and, and just enjoying time together. But the other half impacted me. It had an impact on me as a man, as a husband, eventually setting the foundation for being a father years later. And so I called him and here's a picture of Dane. Um, at the end of men's fraternity, there was a three-year cycle and someone had given him a Scottish Claymore sword um, because men's pastor. And so we ended up, at the end of it, he took a picture with that. And we all took a group picture. But then he and I took a picture. And I had, I just thought it'd be funny if you have like, what's the opposite of an incredibly uh, strong, large sword? I'm like, oh, like a plastic knife. I don't know. So we, I used it for a sermon illustration in a blog at the time. But it was just this contrast. And he's someone that poured into me. And if you were here like February of 2018, when I came in and there was a service where um, the elders and the staff, they, you know, they prayed over me and I, Pastor Evan passed the baton to me. Dane was the one that I'd asked down to pray for me as we started this new ministry, this new season of our life here in Poway. And so he came and he prayed and so he influenced me um, throughout. And I just gave him a call this past week. I was making macaroni and cheese for my girls because, again, that's my version of salad. And so I made macaroni and cheese for the girls. And while I was cooking, I just called them and said, hey, I'm, I'm preaching this week on providential relationships. And I thought that it would be a great, you know, idea to have the congregation thank people who have influenced them. And so I figured I should do that first. So thank you. Thank you for all that you've done in my life. Thank you for the impact you poured into me. And it's one of those where, you know, he responded and he just kept breathing life to me. I'm like, hey man, in my mind, I'm like, I'm supposed to encourage you now, all right? Like, don't keep that. But he was just saying, I'm so proud of you and you're, you're doing great and talking through life and all this different stuff. We didn't talk long, but you ever have those relationships where you haven't talked for years, but it just feels like you haven't missed a beat. Being able to have someone to pour into you, have someone who God has put together or put, excuse me, in your life in a season, whether however long or however short, Take a moment to thank that person this week. Give them a call. Send them a text. Write a handwritten note. Ask them to coffee. I mean, something. But thank God for them, and then thank them for being used by God to help grow your faith. Number two, consider joining a small group. 
So we mentioned in the, in the uh, thing, the video announcement earlier, and if you walked up the, um, the patio, you would have seen that uh, there's a table there that has signups for small groups with various different options throughout the week. If you're watching online, at the top of your screen, you're going to see a small group signups link that has the same signup sheet that we have here in person. So go ahead and fill that out. But we want to recognize that, as Andy Stanley says, we can't create, we can't create providential relationships, but we can create the potential for providential relationships. I'm not going to come here and try to be like a, a um, accountability or mentor-mentee matchmaker. I'm like, okay, you should meet with you, and you should do that, and this will be great. I can't create those for you. But what we as a church can do is create the potential for them to happen. Some of the small groups are existing small groups that are continuing to meet. Some of them are brand new groups that are starting afresh. And the idea behind it is that for the newer groups are going to start the week of February 5th as we start a brand new series through Shape and we get to know more about one another. We get to know more about how God's made us. We get to know the purpose for which we've been created in order to serve him. And so it's going to be a great series to get closer to one another as we get closer to God. So it's a great opportunity for groups to come together. And if you feel unknown at the church or you feel like you're looking for that, would you consider trying this out? We can't create and guarantee it's going to happen, but you can create the potential for providential relationships to happen. And you can be open to receive what God and who God may be willing to give. Lastly, write down the five people who influence you most and then ask the following questions. Remember at the end when I said, or excuse me, earlier when I said at the end, we're going to revisit this idea of who's influencing you the most right now. And here are the questions. So if I would encourage you, write down the names, and then I would just say take the picture of these if you would like, because it's a, it's a lot to write. But wrestle with this, maybe later today, maybe throughout this week. But ask yourself these questions about those who influence you most. Do they point you to foolish advice, the ways of the wicked, the ideas of mockers? If so, make an X next to the name. So you write the name, make a column, say make an X. Or do they point you to delight in God's word? If they do that, then make a check mark. Do they influence you in the way of sin? If so, make an X. Or in prospering and bearing fruit. Remember contrasting verses 1 and verses 3. Check, make a check mark. Do they reject God? Make an X. Or do they encourage you in your walk with God? And if so, make a check mark. Here's what this does. It helps us that if we have friends, those closest to us, that all three are check marks, well, then we want to lean into those relationships more. We're, we're grateful for those. Maybe those are the people where we ask, can we meet more often? Can we connect? Would you want, maybe want to join a small group with me? Because you recognize we are not perfect people, but we're people who've been changed by God to change the world. And so we can help see discipleship and life change happen in small groups in addition to coming to a Sunday service. So do you say, hey, three check marks, this is a relationship I want to lean into. I want to walk in the way of the wise and become more wise. Maybe you'll have some, many of you will have some that it's a mix, right? But then some of you may have some where the people that you allow to influence you most, that speak into your life, that they have the loudest volume, their voice is the loudest volume in how you process things. You might evaluate and say, there are three X's here. What does this mean? Does it mean that you cut off friendship with them? No. Does it mean you reevaluate what type of friendship it is? Yes. And here's what I mean. You want to 
have the people who influence you most be the ones that will help you draw closer to the Lord the most. You can still do life with people who are far from God. We're called to seek and to save the lost just as Jesus did. We're called to be able to be people who are, do not hide our lamp on our bushel basket, but to shine and be able to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. We are called to do good deeds, and though in so doing, people will see our good deeds and give God glory rather than us credit. We are called to shine like stars in a, in a crooked and depraved generation. We are called to build relationship with people who are far from God so that we can help come alongside them as they walk towards God. So we're not rejecting people who might have three X's, but maybe we're turning down the volume of their influence on us. Maybe they're not the first ones we call for advice anymore. Maybe they're not the ones that we want to seek out, but they're the ones that, friends, we make the conscious decision we are going to love and pray for and come alongside them and to be an example so that people that are far from God would see Christ in you. And in so doing, they'd be open to relationship with him for themselves. We want to encourage one another. Hebrews 10, 24 will show us this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards good deeds and love. Not giving up meeting together, whether that's in a service like this, whether it's in a small group, or whether it's in a coffee or uh, accountability meeting more consistently, as some are in the habit of doing. Don't give up meeting together, but encourage one another. Pour courage into someone who's struggling. Breathe life into someone who's flailing. Breathe life and hope into someone who's struggling. And all the more as you see the day approaching, as things get worse around our world and around our culture, we need God more. And as things get worse, we need wise, godly, providential relationships more. Because our relationships with others, with people, will impact our walk with God. Are we going to walk in the way of the wicked? Are we going to walk with the wise and become wise? So closing two questions for you, and this, this is the end, the actual end. <laughs> Number one. Are you making yourself available to find that person that can help grow your faith? Are you open to asking someone to have a, like, a, let's meet up for coffee more often? Are you open to joining a small group? Are you open to making yourself available to see who God might bring? Are you looking around and saying, I think I could be friends with this person. I think I could draw closer to God because of this person's influence. Whether that is maybe as a mentor, like Dane was to me. It has been, whether it's a peer like I am with Nick or whether it's someone that you could pour into because friends, we all know this, especially if you're a teacher, that when you teach something, you learn it all the more. When you exemplify something, it ends up making a bigger imprint on your life as well. So when you are pouring into someone, God may use that to help grow your faith as well. So are you making yourself available to find a person that will help you grow? And then are you making yourself available to God to be that person who can help other person, another person's faith grow. We can't just surround ourselves with people who are always, only, and forever like us. We want to surround ourselves with people who are influenced us most who are, because they love the Lord and have a foundation in Jesus. But we want to impact those around to be a light in a dark place, a city on a hill that can't be hidden, to shine like stars in a crooked and depraved generation, and to seek and to save that which is lost. We've said it before, we'll say it again. What's one of the only things that we could do here on earth that we cannot do in heaven? It's reach people who do not know Jesus.
So friends, may we seek out providential relationships and may we be someone that can impact people in a providential relationship. So maybe years from now, they're sitting in a sermon and they get challenged and you receive a thank you note or a card or a phone call thanking you for the impact you had in their lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person who's part of our service this morning. Whether they're watching live in person, live online, or um, on demand throughout the week. God, I think that each person who hears my voice is someone who's loved by you. And God, you've created us not to do life alone. Well, the first thing that happened in all of Genesis that was not good was that man was alone, that it was not good. So Lord, many of us are living lives in isolation or loneliness, and that's not good. Lord, I pray that you give us the eyes to see people around us that you would call us to be invested in with and also invest into. I pray that you would help us to evaluate whose voices are, have the loudest volume in our minds. I pray that you would help us to learn how we could best draw close to you and to thank you for the relationships you've put in our lives that have been clearly providential and provided for by you. So Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time together. Help our faith grow and to be revived in you each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to be a church where people are changed by God to change the world. If you want to partner with us in this way, you can start by doing these two things. The first, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you can do that by hitting the subscribe button wherever you're listening so you can stay connected with us and we can broaden our reach. And the second, and this might be the most important thing you do, share this message with someone you know. And as always, remember you are prayed for, cared for, and loved. See you next time.